right, Jeff, you ready? Sure, let's do it. All right, brother, let's have some fun. Ty, you ready? Let's go. Timeout. Tyler, who are we taking a timeout with today? Good to see you, Kevin. And listeners of Timeout with Leaders, today we have Jeff Peer, the Executive Director at Child Care Council. Jeff, thanks for being on the show. And we're going to start hot and heavy, man. I don't know anything about you, really, besides you're an ED over at Child Care uh, Council. Who wins in a fight between The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin? <laughs> oh, no doubt. No, there's no doubt that Stone Cold has that all day long. You know, I mean, The Rock's too much of a pretty boy. So that means Stone Cold's going to hit him with that stunner, and The Rock won't know what's going to happen all day long. <laughs> yeah, the rattlesnake prevails. All right, I love it. Yeah. yeah. yeah Little beer helps, too. I, I'll never forget Steve Austin. How he used to drink beer, and we used to all try to recreate that in college. And You can never yeah, recreate yeah, it the way he did. Yeah, it's no, just almost never. impossible. I don't know. His, his forehead must be like three inches thicker than everybody else's or something. Uh, he, he... <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, so we always love asking. So you've been in Rochester for quite some time. If you're taking Tyler and I out to your favorite spot in Rochester, where are we going and what are you making Tyler and I order? Oh, that's easy. I, I'm going to take you to Nosh. I love going to Nosh. They have amazing food. They have amazing drinks. And you have to get the uh, the, the uh, Korean platter, the appetizer Ooh. platter, and you get a few of those and enjoy those. That's how you kind of start the day, you know, over there. <laughs> so, and uh, you always tell the uh, waiter or waitress, listen, I'm going to drink, but just order one. Get it all started. <laughs> there you go. And Jeff, what? You know, into the arena, into, into closing a baseball game. What, what's your walkout music to get you fired up for the day? Well, I'll be honest with you. My walkout music, when Ashley was a pro wrestler, we had I had an original song called Bring on the Mayhem. My name was Mayhem. As a pro wrestler, it was actually made by a rock group back in the early 2000s. And you could actually find it on, on uh, I think, Spotify or one of those music lists out there. But uh, Bring on the Mayhem. And uh, I had my own song and it was, you knew if that, if that was song was coming, you, you were going to be in for some entertainment. <laughs> Jeff, how do you get your own song? How, how do you, how do you pull that off? Well, there was, there was a handful of years. I was a pro wrestler. So I was moving around trying to work up the circuit. Uh, oh you get, the, you get, you start making a name, you start meeting people and uh, your management team starts seeing something in you and they start making t-shirts and putting your name out there and bands start calling you and saying we'd love to make a song and put you, we want their song to be heard uh every time you go out in front of an audience and so i was blessed and lucky to have that happen so it's kind of neat to know i have my own theme song <laughs> bring out the mayhem yeah bring, bring out the mayhem the i kind of play I take other head. artists theme songs and i make them mine you know so like i'll, I'll even add my own flair but never had one created for me, Mr. Mayhem, excuse me. Yeah, I haven't brought one of those to my board meetings yet. I don't walk into my board meeting with that, but. <laughs> you might want to start. It might get them fired well, up, you know. <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool. But oh, very, God. Very well, you brought it up. I love, I love kind of understanding your background and, 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 and understanding kind of who, who you are uh, as a person. Sure. And I wanted to kind of, I know you have a lot of history. Uh, you shared with me that uh, you actually sparred for a couple of weeks with, with the great Oscar De La Hoya and have really grown up really in co coaching and in boxing. And yeah. you understand in coaching sometimes, yes, it is the fundamentals of boxing. And yes, it is how to punch and how to, how to take a punch. But you probably learned a lot about leadership as well. What were some of the things that you learned in coaching that you now apply in your executive director role there at Child Care Council? Yeah, you know, that's that's a great question, because I always talk about how boxing and life and leadership, uh, they, they go together hand in hand, there's no doubt about it. In a boxing match, 
you know, you're going to have your good rounds. You're going to have your bad rounds. You're going to have the rounds where you're just feeling really lucky that you did something well. And you're going to have those rounds where you didn't see that punch coming and that punch hurt the most. Right. And, and that's life. And that's also what you're going to see at work. And then you have this little reprieve where you get this one minute where you get to go back in your corner. You get to sit down, catch your breath, and you have a group of people around you. Maybe it's your coworkers or your, your family or your friends or someone, a mentor in the ring at your coaches, right? And they're telling you the good, the bad, the ugly. They're being honest with you. Hey, you're winning. Hey, you're losing. These are some tips in life that, in this fight that will probably help you get ahead. And then you have to go back out there and apply those things. And, uh, and hopefully you end up winning the fight. And if, even if you don't win the fight, you're going to learn from what you from your loss because I've learned way more from my losses in life than I have any of my wins. There's no doubt about it. So, you know, to be honest with you, being cornered in a ring and being cornered in your profession is 100% hand in hand. So yeah. uh, you could probably write a book about how life and leadership and boxing are the same. All right. There's no well, doubt. I expect, I expect the copy on my desk in maybe two years uh, from- Well, I'll look to both of you to help promote that someday. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be the hype man. Day, don't, get, don't get me a microphone out in the middle of the ring. I'll, I'll be the hype man with Tyler for sure. But I wanted to touch on one thing. So it sounds like, right? So if I was to, to almost summarize what you just said, Jeff, it sounds like you are uh, have the ability to to understand when to take a timeout, right? And and when to kind of catch your breath. World's moving fast, the, and things are moving fast within the ring. But you're also mm -hmm. getting out expert opinions and insights, and then kind of changing um, your action, right, or your your plan of attack. I love yeah. that. And that's probably yeah. helped you to to look to your board and look to your employees and and garner that active, same active feedback to adjust uh, to what the organization wants and needs. Yeah, 100%. I don't think anyone ever feels 1000% uh, prepared for anything in life. And I just think you could just prepare yourself the best you can. In a boxing match, you train super hard. And the, and the, and the, uh, the tagline is you want to make training harder than the fight right? So the fight's easy. And that that you can't always predict that. But I know in my professional life, you listen to people, you do your readings, you talk to mentors, the people that have been successful, the people that have done things and failed. And if you learn from that, you'll be prepared for a lot of things that come your way as a CEO, no matter what position you're in in life, you know, um, and, and I think that that says a lot. And I think you could be as prepared as possible. What you don't want to do is go in the ring knowing you need to do your runs. You didn't train really hard. You didn't put in the hours because you're just sending yourself off a failure. And then it's not fair to your team. It's not fair to your family. It's not fair for the people that are, are behind you. And I feel as a CEO, I'm responsible for a lot of staff and a lot of people and a lot of responsibility. So I better be prepared and do the best I can. Absolutely. I love the word reprieve, man. You, you yeah. know, you get a little daily reprieve in your corner, man. And why, why not do a daily reprieve? You know, I think that's where I find my most mojo if I remember, you know. Yeah. It's always the consistency of remembering for that daily reprieve, you know, good or bad, win or lose. Um, and where do you get your energy from, Jeff, besides besides bring on the mayhem pumping every morning? Yeah. Well, where, where do you find this energy from? You know, it's funny. I, I, I rarely sleep. I'm a four hour night sleeper. That's about it. Tops. My, my wife gets so annoyed with me at two in the morning. I'm the one that's up and around the house and um, I don't sleep. I, I'm a power napper. I sleep for four hours a night and then I go. Uh, before five o'clock, I'm already on the road running, hitting my five to 10 mile runs. Uh, 
between 4.30 and 5.30 in the morning. And then from there, it's get my emails together, get my news together, get my plan together for the day, attack it, meal prep for the day, because I'm always in some kind of training or getting ready for what's next. And then by the time I get to work, I already put in a four-hour day. Wow. Uh, work hard all day, uh, work with staff. I get my energy from staff, from, cool. from listening to people and, uh, and, and the breaking down obstacles too. I love that. That drives me. That, that just gets me going. You put a wall up, I just look at it and be like, all right, that might just take me one or two times to run through it, but I'll get through it. And that excites me. Just keeps going. After that, see the family. I go to the boxing gym. I do some coaching, get home about nine o'clock at night, start all over. That is, I thought making my bed in the morning was starting my day off on the right foot. But this guy's got 10 miles in by the time I'm tucking in those pillows. So oh, absolutely. That, is, that, is in, that is amazing. But I think uh, you doing those things in the morning probably make you highly effective when you get into the office because your brain is really already firing on all cylinders. That's, that's special. And, yeah, and it's firing all cylinders, but you're also preparing yourself for anything that's coming your way because exactly. nothing's going to happen to me that day is going to be more difficult than that 10 mile run. <laughs> right and i think oh, putting yeah. those things into perspective continuously and to tyler's point making a habit at that point is really how we all grow and get better yeah. one of the things i wanted to say because uh like tyler and i right so to talk talking to two younger youths right did you ever see yourself in this leadership role did you ever see yourself in, in taking and assuming an ex executive director position and being and having the success that you've had professionally as well as outside of kind of the boxing and professional wrestling world? You know, when I was really young, uh, I'm talking about like that, those child ages where your, your, your fantasies are there. You want to be the Incredible Hulk and Superman, you know, stuff like that. Um, I had zero confidence back then, zero. And, um, and that developed over a handful of years. I, I, I struggled when I was younger uh, with some speech. With uh, I was a little slower in school than other people were. I just didn't catch on. Uh, the way kids did. And I went through a lot of bullying phase. And then one day I said, well, that's going to stop because I know I have the ability to do this. So I changed myself mentally, emotionally, and, and even physically uh, using boxing and really applying myself to school and really telling myself, because back then, because I'm older than you, <laughs> you know, when you were in school, uh, they didn't have that, that caring touch that they do nowadays. If you're not keeping up, they let you know that where you where you belong. So I didn't really have that belief. And then um, something switched and the confidence started building. I, I played football and I excelled in football. I started boxing. I excelled in boxing and uh, I started reading more and, and asking more questions and learning. And then I realized that through that, I don't even know where it came from, to be honest with you. I became somewhat of just a natural leader between my friends uh, the people around me. And uh, somebody saw me one day and he said, you know, I think you'd be really good working with kids because mm -hmm. your personality and the way you do things. And uh, at an early age, I started working with troubled youth, uh, young kids who had underserved population. I was 19 years old working with those kids. And I was just your entry level counselor person. I came in and did that work. But everywhere I went, I ended up leading the team. And it was just natural. I, I, I didn't really know any different. So I, I did aspire to be some kind of leader, whether it was a director, a vice president, a CEO, you know, whatever it might, wherever it take me. And I was lucky and blessed enough that it took me to a CEO position.
Congratulations. So, that's amazing. Dude, yeah. Jeff, it sounds like you are not shortchanging life at all, man. You are getting your money's worth, but dude. I'm, <laughs> I'm jealous. You know, I've been trying to wake up a little earlier and uh, get the most out of your days. Four hours a night, though, man. That is, yeah, that's, that's about where it. it's at, man. You, you would. Good. Where did you grow up, Jeff? Well, I was born in Long Island, but I ended up leaving Long Island when I was about nine. I still got a little bit of the accent. And yeah. <laughs> just, a, just a touch, yeah. Just a little just bit, a you know, yeah. just just to put it out there. And, and uh, let's just clear the air. He talks funny. And, uh, you know, and then um, and we ended up moving down to Orlando, Florida, that area. My family all moved there just for a couple of years. And then we moved to Rochester when I was approximately uh, 12 years old and wow. been here ever since. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I pretty much been here my whole life. That's really cool. And I, I obviously thank you so much for all the great work that you're doing in our communities. And you've worked at some other prolific organizations like Will of Domestic Violence. Yeah. And, and really, I guess, what fuels that passion for people? Is it the coaching? Is it the enablement? Like what, what do you get out? What type of gratification? What brings you the most joy in your role? Uh, that's a great question because, you know, I was thinking about this just recently, uh, kind of mentoring some people and, and doing that work. And I think for me, it's, it's, it's helping the people that, that feel like they, they feel helpless or they feel they have no place to go. They feel they have no voice. Uh, being in juvenile justice and working with those little kids all the way to a, more of a teenager juvenile justice and seeing how these kids get caught in these cycles and being there for those families. And I think there's a stereotype of children that are involved in these type of behaviors. But then when you look down deeper, there's a lot of trauma, a lot of stuff going on. There are caring parents and things like that. So I felt like I gave a voice to a lot of that. Mm -hmm. uh, when it came to working in rape crisis and domestic violence work, and we kind of talked about this, um, uh, really being a man stepping into that world is not really something you see a lot. Mm -hmm. And to be someone that was charged with running a shelter or running a hotline and running the counseling for people that are affected by domestic violence and rape. Um, and, and being that person, I always looked at it as, wow, I have an opportunity to give people a voice mm -hmm. to help people feel safe, who are so scared and to help people get through one of the most traumatic things that they'll ever experience. And the, honestly, that's what probably drives it. And it's pretty amazing that watching people just just the, their strength and mm -hmm. watching them grow. And all I'm doing is giving them an opportunity and a safe space. And, you know, it, it's, it's pretty amazing. And I feel like, um, I don't know, maybe it's triggered from when I was young and I hated bullies. I hated when people put people down and, you know, that type of thing. And now I feel like I'm in a position where um, I can help those people. Uh, yeah. And it's just, it's using that responsibility, that privilege, like you're saying, and, and helping others. And, and I love that. I, yeah. I was bullied myself back in the day. And, and I don't think anybody wants to go through that if you've ever experienced it. But yep. uh, that's why I'm the probably uh, the Cinderella man, right? When it comes to March Madness, once your Kentucky loses <laughs> in the first round, then I'm shooting for all, all the, uh, all the underdogs at that point, because you're right. Yeah. We, uh, we tend to make decisions at the executive level and, and, neglect the 75 plus percent of the workforce, which is that frontline employee. So 100%. having that just full awareness and that understanding and understanding the, the power that you have to really drive that difference, Jeff, is special. Thanks. Yeah, yeah no problem. Yeah. Dude, this is, this is I, I could do this all day, man. I feel like I'm talking to like a Kobe Bryant over here with this workout, man. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Good grief, man. Uh, and, and rumor has it, Kevin told me about you and Oscar De La Hoya, Jeff. Uh, well, <laughs> can, can you expand on this for us? 
and lives well, to Oscar, tell the tale. He lived to tell the tale. Yeah. I lived to tell the tale. No, uh, when Oscar was a young fighter, you know, he was uh, he was a um, a gold medalist. You know, back in 1992, when he was early on in his career, uh, he traveled around obviously for his fights, and he had a pretty big fight in Rochester. I believe it was a six seven pro fight at the time. And he picked our gym in our area to train at. I trained at one of the best, toughest gyms in the city of Rochester under one of the best coaches this world has ever seen, uh, Gloria Peak, who is the first uh, female boxing coach to train the Olympic team. And uh, so he chose our gym to train at. And uh, so through him training with us, I had the opportunity to really work with him, to get punched by him, to uh, to enjoy some of his knowledge. And uh, only being a few years younger than him and watching him be so successful, uh, what a great opportunity that was for me. But uh, I remember his coach telling me one day, he just said, uh, you're a little bigger than he is. You know, I was probably 190 at the time. He's 130. He goes, so just don't un unload on him because you don't want to cut him. He has a big fight. And I looked at him and I said, I can't hit him if I want to. I mean, this guy, I mean, like, like I, thanks, thanks for having that much faith in me, but it ain't happening. <laughs> so, yeah, but it, it was just a great experience, a great opportunity. And to see that type of professionalism at such a young age he was, and I'm only a few years younger, um, that just helped me in my career so that, much. That professionalism, though, and you shared with me when you were sharing that story is how human that he was, though, and how yes. down to earth that he was. So I, I assume seeing that at that age and somebody in that limelight and having that view was also gratifying for you, but validating for you, too, because given the work that you had been doing at that time and and maybe what you had your sights on. Yeah, you, absolutely. You, you use the word mentorship, right? So you had six weeks with Oscar de La Hoya. I'm sure that was a mentorship. Everybody asked me, hey, who are your mentors? And I look at every conversation kind of as that opportunity of mentorship, right? If we're yeah. asking the right questions and we're truly listening and really building out that social board of directors, you know, how do you choose a mentor? Um, there's a lot of people that are interested in finding mentorship, but sometimes yeah. in businesses, it feels a little forced. Um, how do you suggest finding those mentorships, those thought partners, those people that are going to give you that honest feedback that most of us need to hear right now? I think you just said it right there. There's two things for me. It's uh, someone that's going to have honest dialogue with you and tell you all the things that you don't want to hear, right? And when you meet those people and you can meet them quickly and in that first conversation, they don't mind sitting you down and saying uh, to you, you know, I, I realize what you did today and what you're telling me, you missed a lot of opportunities, Jeff. You know what I mean? Or um, you, you're, you're going the wrong way. Or, you know, whatever it might be. And, and, and I really appreciate that. And I really love that because I try to do that for my staff, too, and just say this is a safe space. No one's doing things wrong. It's just we could all learn. And um, I think when I choose someone that I trust to mentor me or to go to for a sounding board advice, it's the people that I know that are going to be 100 percent honest with me uh, because I am um, I'm not stuck in my way. I'm totally coachable. I'm told, uh, I, I believe to be a good leader, you got to be a good follower. So I would look for that trust, that safe environment where you could just be you and not, and, and then someone that's going to be brutally honest with you. And I've been lucky because I've had two or three amazing mentors in my life that it were all those things. And uh, I met them through work and through boxing. And, uh, and I, I, to this day, I still talk to them and I value their opinion. My yeah. goodness. Well, Jeff, what do you fear, man? Is there anything you fear out there? Can you share yeah. it with us? Well, that, that's a great question. I, 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 um, 
it's hard to say what I don't what I fear because I am I'm, I'm okay with falling down and getting hurt and getting back up and I think that's the fighter in me. Um, I don't want to let I don't want to let the agency down. I don't want to let my staff down. Uh, I don't want to let the people we serve down. And I think that's one of my driving factors of making sure that I listen to my staff and I and they're all part of the team. I tell my staff all the time. I said, I don't care what position we're in. It doesn't matter to me. Everyone's title here gives everyone their own separate responsibility. Your title gives you responsibility of things that I am. I don't have the capability of doing. That's mm-hmm. and and that's your specialty. My title as a CEO gives me responsibility, but it doesn't make anyone more important than the other person. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and we're all in this together, even playing field. We're all holding up the table. So I don't. I I if I use the word fear, I would just say it isn't necessarily fear of failure. It's fear of letting down the people that. I'm here to serve. And, and I think if that happened, that would probably hurt me the most, you know what I mean? That's that spear that goes right through the armor, but I'm not afraid to make the decisions and move the agency forward enough to, uh, to make sure that we get to the next level while lifting all that as well. Yeah. I didn't hear right. And what is like a boxing world, right? So it's one-on-one. So you are the star of the show, right? And, Mm -hmm. And you have a coach and yes, you get those one minute reprieves and those that minute, right. But it's a real, really is a, a more individualized sport, just like golf. Um, yep. and, and having this ability that you have and that servant leadership is what we start to hear. Or yep. uh, what is uh, trauma informed leadership? Everything that I heard of what your your fear is has really nothing to do with you. It really has to do with everybody else. So I I really really enjoyed that, Jeff. And and I think that speaks to who you are as a person. What was the best piece of advice that you've ever gotten, and who was it from? Ooh, best piece of advice. Um, I would say my old, uh, she was the vice president of the Villas of Hope at the time when I worked there. I, I used to run the juvenile justice programs. And today she's still a mentor. Her name's Barbara, uh, Barb Malley. And she um, told me, just be you and be humble and be and humility should be your best friend. You know, and she saw something in me that I didn't even know I had, which was a lot of this leadership potential. She, I remember her pulling me into her office and I, re, I respected her position so much and who she was as a person. And this was the honest dialogue here, right? So she sits me down and she says, you have so much potential, but you are so rough around the edges. Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> you, like you're a bull in a china shop. You say whatever's on your mind. You have all this potential. I see it, but oh my God, we there's so many rough edges. And and I sat there going, really? Okay. You know, and, and she and honestly, she took the time and and for years. And she was a mentor to me for so long. To this day, I, I treasure her uh to the to the utmost. And and uh she took a long time and helped chiseled off those pieces. But what I did learn is staff first humility you make a mistake you admit it it's okay you could fall down you don't have to know it all just be you take the mask off a lot of leaders that put on the mask they pretend they're something that they're really not because behind the mask is i don't know um fear or there's um jealousy or whatever it might be mm-hmm. she said never wear the mask and just be yourself and i was young when i heard that i was in my mid 20s yeah and, which i heard uh, that message earlier on because i, yeah. I think I, I was wearing that mask right I, and i yeah. always talk about how how tyler is is probably that same similar mentor that that showed me that and taught me that that being yourself is 100 okay and 
now that I figured that out, now 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 I feel like the the world's ahead of me, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. One of the things that you said earlier is is confidence, right? You didn't have confidence, and now you have confidence. And and leaders that are not confident, people are a little more reluctant to to follow. But there is that fine balance between confidence and ego slash arrogance, right? Sure. How do you find that balance? <laughs> you know. I have to say, you're, you're asking questions that I could just picture the moment that I learned those things, right? So uh, here's another mentor of mine. Here's one of the three. Uh, her name's Marie, amazing woman, super smart. Um, she said to me one day, and this is, again, going back to my mid-20s, she goes, Jeff, you have the biggest ego of anyone I've ever met. And let me tell you, Tyler, I know you're laughing, but it, that that hit me hard. And I'm like, whoa me like I feel like I have like the, the small and she goes no let me explain she goes you have the ability not to see failure you have the ability to look at an obstacle and go through it I have heard people tell you multiple times what you're doing is impossible and you make it happen whether it's building your boxing gym whether it's building a new program whether it's working with a staff that's super difficult whatever it is you have been told it's impossible and you never, ever, ever, ever quit. And you never, ever fail. You go until it, you, you win. She goes, you know what kind of ego that takes? <laughs> so, <laughs> so she actually meant that it is a compliment. Like yeah. you have a balanced, healthy ego to the point where failure doesn't hurt you to the point where you're not going to make a decision. You're not going to go forward. Mm -hmm. So I think um, it was a natural instinct for me to always put people first I think because I did have a, a rough younger childhood, not with family, but just with people and, and the, the, the negative information I heard, it never put me in a position that I felt I was more powerful than someone or mm -hmm. I'm better than someone or I'm smarter than someone. It always put me in a position of, why wow, I have so much to learn. Here's an opportunity. But what I have that I feel like that every leader, I don't know if every leader does have, I'm hoping they do, is that ability to push, push through and pull the trigger when it needs to happen. Because mm -hmm. I think that not pulling the trigger and making that decision is what stalls stuff. Yeah. So I keep moving forward. I keep getting punched in the face. I keep taking those hits. Hopefully I slip a few, hopefully I duck a few, but I'm gonna get rocked, yeah. but I'm gonna keep coming. And yeah. that, if you're gonna fight Jeff, or you're gonna work with Jeff, or Jeff's your CEO, he promises he's gonna keep moving forward. So to me, I think my ego is my confidence, but it's not ego in the sense of I'm better. It's ego that I'm blinded by the fact that there's an obstacle and yeah. I don't really care because yeah. that's, a, yeah. that's you're taking it. those licks and you're taking those punches and you're dodging those, but you're, you're in the fight. You're playing the you're game. In the fight. You're in you're the in game. It. Yeah. You're in the game. And, uh, and I think that my staff appreciate that because they have seen me go to bat for them. Uh, I would, I would, I would uh, be curious what, what staff, over my whole career would say, but what if the feedback I've heard, and I do feedback surveys from my staff, my board, uh, when they do my eval every year, they go to my direct reports and they have private conversations and do a whole survey with them that I have no say in or know what's going on. And the feedback I hear is he always has our back. He definitely listens. You know, he's, he's right there with us in the fight. Does that make sense? So oh, yeah. I don't know if I answered the ego question, but uh, I was told I had a massive ego, but it wasn't bad. <laughs> Dude, I think everyone needs a shot of Jeff the Mayhem here in the morning, man. Yeah. Like, this is awesome. And I was just thinking, Jeff, if, if, 
if you could create a billboard on 390 up there, 490 or 590, whatever the road those are, right? Yeah. And it just you had some message for people to just drive by every morning. What would it say on your billboard? Yeah. Um, wow. That's an wow. You guys have great questions. Um, one of the quotes that I love the most uh, because I, I always get told that, um, and I don't mean this in, a, in any negative way, but I always get told I have a little. I'm a little insane, you know, whether it's my physical activity <laughs> or some of the ideas I have for the agency or stuff like that. So uh, Joe Rogan said it the best, but I've heard this quote multiple times. But he said it the best. I mean, he clearly said, how do you say? He said, insanity and greatness are next door neighbors and they share each other's sugar, right? Wow. And I just think that that is so important for people to understand, like, there's nothing crazy about you. If you have hopes and dreams and you're thinking outside the box and you don't do everything the way everybody else does it, you do it in a way that feels right to you. You listen to people. You, you, you don't have to be a, a cookie cutter CEO. You don't have to be a cookie cutter person. You could be you. And, uh, and so back in the day when people would say, yeah, you're a little crazy. I mean, I'm the guy, I'm the guy when I'm lifting weights and training, I'm listening to opera music. I'm blasting opera music when I'm lifting and training and boxing. I'm not listening to rap or rock. You know what I mean? I got Andre Buccelli. And ah, my man. So my, even my trainer says I'm a little insane, but I, I say it helps me push through and gets me to the point where you know, if uh, that I think I want people to know that there's nothing wrong with you yeah. if you're thinking outside the box, you do things differently. Yeah, just go well, for being, it. Like you said, life. being you, and I think yeah. that's that's being that's you. how we are given the gifts and our strengths and and even our weaknesses, right? That's why teamwork makes the dream work because we all have strengths and we all have weaknesses. And one of the things that Tyler helped me, and and it sounds like you've had some of these mentors over the time too, is help me identify those strengths. Like, what are Absolutely. my true strengths? Because Sometimes you do this thing uh, by habit, right? When you were in these roles and you were brought into entry level roles, and then all of a sudden you're in leadership. I have a belief that you were probably working hard and everybody else saw that and wanted to get behind that, right? But how have you, who has helped you or what strengths have you identified that are, are really Jeff's strengths outside of dodging punches and haymakers in the ring? Obviously that's a strength and I wouldn't want to catch a right hook from you either. I've, I've stood next to you. So what, who has helped you pull out your strengths and what strengths have you identified? Well, probably the, uh, some of the strengths I have identified for myself is, is definitely my ability to be super transparent and super honest, 100%. Um, I think that's super important. Uh, another strength I would say is, is helping people feel safe in any environment. Uh, so if you're going to come see the CEO, my title by itself makes people nervous, even if I'm the nicest guy in the world. And I understand that. And I get that. But um, I love the feedback from my staff where they say, wow, I felt super comfortable. And I can't believe I actually told them all the stuff I told them, <laughs> right? Because they felt so comfortable. And that to me is a treasured moment that I have with those staff. And I think that's super important. I think my persistence, my persistency and my ability not to give up uh, my wife says that to me all the time. She goes, I've never seen such strong willpower from somebody. Um, and my, and wife, well, my wife says stubborn, but you, your wife says willpower. All right. I yeah. like and, willpower. and she's not saying you know, it's always about work. It's never about what I'm doing at the house. <laughs> if we're talking about what I'm doing at home, it's usually I'm stubborn, but, um, but just that commitment and willpower. And I think I learned that from you know, uh, my boxing coach, uh, Gloria, I think I learned that from my mentors, uh, Barb and Marie, and some amazing CEOs, some that you have interviewed that I've listened to their interviews, or I've talked to, and I've had that ability to, uh, to run into my career. Um, 
early on in my career, I ran across an amazing motivation speaker. I know people always talk about Tony Robbins, and he's been part of my listening, but Les Brown is somebody that I always go to. Um, I love his his story. I love his voice, and uh, he speaks to me probably deeper than mostly anyone else I listen to when it comes to those type of uh, motivation speakers and uh, really live. But thanks. I'm, I'm going to check out some Les Brown today, Jeff. Um, I, I heard the, can y'all hear me? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm good. I heard you uh, say the word commitment, man. I, I love that word uh, because I, I mean, I think that's what differentiates a lot of us, us leaders and, and really go-getters, man. We, we keep that, I call it the real C word, you know, yeah, right? people Absolutely. are like, well, the, the commitment's really easy. I'm like, how, how many times do you commit to something and you overcommit or, or just say last minute? No, man. Um, that, and that's what's really advanced me in my career. I want to say, I just wanted to give a shout out. I heard that word commitment. No, I appreciate that. Good. But um, yeah. And I just want to know if Jeff Pierre could do anything in the world and, and there would be no failure at it, what would, what would it be? I mean, I feel like you're already doing it in a way. Well, uh, um, just by knowing you for, I don't know, 26 minutes. What, <laughs> what? I, I need to know this answer. Like, what is it that you would do or want to do without it, with failure, not in, as an option? Oh, wow. Um, I, I would have to say president of the United States. Come on. <laughs> I guess that's, the, I guess that's the ego right there. Right. Hey, <laughs> but, given I mean, your track not? record, you can't be worse than what we've had. So, yeah. I mean, to me, I've always grew up looking as at that position as as the ultimate leadership position, your voice, you know, as, as a CEO, your voice carries a lot of weight, but as the president of the United States, it carries a lot of weight around the world. And, and I just think that if we bring humanity and humility and we bring honesty and transparency to a position of power like that, I, I just think that that would just do amazing things for bringing the nation together, even bringing more countries together and, uh, and who knows what we could accomplish if we actually focus on accomplishing a lot of these goals and moving the country forward and not focusing on all the other bull crap that we focus on when it comes to politics. Yeah. Uh, but if you could be a president of the United States and have zero failure and have a hundred percent approval rating, I'll do that all day. <laughs> I, I love what you said, though, because I, I do like my politicians like I like my leaders that I work for. Yeah, but I, I have yet to really see that type of leadership within those positions in a long time. And real yeah. leadership, you know, that unifying yeah. message. And I'm not talking about that negative message that drives the hate out of people that we're starting to hear and popularize, right? I'm talking about that positive energy, like we're having a conversation right now and really getting at the heartstrings and really humanizing us at the most basic level, because we do share 99.9% .9 of our DNA with one another. That 0.1% variance is very different, right? But understand yep. that we share a majority and we actually have more common than, than not. Um, I love what you said. Yeah. I wanted to kind of also, I guess, give you a bucket, an endless bucket of money. Um, so Tyler and I got uh, a check for $33 billion from our friend Jeff Bezos, and nice. we're giving that money to you, Jeff, and you have full right as to what you can do with it, but you couldn't spend a penny on Jeff or your family. What are you doing with that money? Well, that's like, that's probably every CEO's dream right there, uh, especially in the not-for-profit world. Uh, we're, we're definitely, we're going to end... Um, homelessness. There's no doubt about that. We're going to invest in uh, young child development, 100% at a young age, uh, healthy, 
uh, development of the brain to help children learn because we're learning more and more about the brain every day. And we know that early, early, early trauma affects them for the rest of their life. Impact now, uh, positive, transcends into the future of just an amazing life. And if it's negative now, uh, there's a lot more struggles. So mm -hmm. I would definitely invest in a lot of the early onset um, mental health and support and special needs around children in that case. Um, it really bothers me when I see um, there's just not opportunity for so many people. So definitely a lot more job opportunities, uh, especially for the underserved populations that we see a lot and uh, easy access of transportation as well. Um, that's one of the biggest barriers when it comes to either work or uh, when it comes to childcare or, or no matter what it comes to. And because I'm in childcare, I would make childcare free for everybody. You know what I mean, that's just the way it is because not everyone has a child. But I mean, old, old cliche, right? Our children are our future, let's be honest. Yeah. And we also expect everyone to work, yeah. right? So if you want to have childcare, good childcare, you invest in it. I think it's an investment and I think it's a, a it could become in, a, in any form, yeah. but a tax credit or whatnot. And then I, and I just think it pays dividends into the future because now you have both parents able to work, the child has early, early education and support and uh, healthy development as they go on, you yeah. know, and, and it doesn't put a lot of strain on the families because they knew that their, their children are taken care yeah. of. So I love what you homelessness, said. Homelessness, child. child development. Yeah. Those type of things. They're great. <laughs> It's a, it's interesting in this country, right? Uh, puppies have more rights than women when and men as it relates to their children. They have to stay with their mother for 16 weeks as dogs, right? And then yep. here we have 12 months as as mothers and fathers with uh, or 12 weeks, excuse me, as uh, as mothers yep. and fathers of our children. So I think that reprioritization of that that critical life moment that you're saying in the the youth lives would have a dramatic impact down the road. And I I just can't thank you enough for that. One of the yeah, things, absolutely. the last question that I had before I kick it back over to Tyler is really preparation, right? You talk about the preparation um, before a fight. You talk about all the training and all the development and all the things that go in in order to prepare for that fight because you're probably preparing for the best result or the worst result, right? But you're going and prepared nonetheless. What can organizations and what do you see, right? How can we start developing some of these soft skills that in, employees need to be successful in the world of work? And how can we start to train and develop our leaders and our managers to prepare for that fight, which is now required in this new world of work within leadership? Yeah, well, I think that the basic foundation of that is building an agency that encourages and invests into in uh, professional development. I always, I'm a firm believer that agencies could say they're behind something, but until you put it in the budget, and you're putting resources towards it, don't tell me you are invested into it because <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't wanna hear it. When we talk about equity work, I hear so many agencies saying, oh, we believe in equity, look at equity statement. And then I say, well, how much you invest in equity? And they go, nothing. And I'm like, well, then don't, don't tell me you invest in equity because it's super important. So if you're gonna truly invest in your staff and their development, it has to be part of the budget and part of the resources and how you do it. So I'm a firm believer as a CEO that that is something that has to happen. Mm. So that might be paying for co uh, consultants, that's resources, that's giving space and time in their day to have those conversations, um, reflective supervision training, you know, understanding uh, what they want and what they need. So when the investment from the CEO and the agency is number one, I think mm. has to happen. The other thing is what do they wanna learn? What do they have to learn? What does their job entitle them that they need to have for their position? 
And what are the basic skills as, as an agency that we want people to have, whether it's mm -hmm. customer service or, you know, it's understanding how to project management better, or it's understanding even how to just have the, to have the basic communication skills so you can provide supervision and have support around those things. So once you have that knowledge, I'm a firm believer, and we're actually doing this right now. We're actually putting together a professional development criteria for our agency. Now that we're through COVID and everything, we start doing a lot of these building, and that there's, a, there's going to be an expectation for each staff to do a certain amount of hours. We already surveyed the staff to see what kind of training that they want to do, and we're already investing in the consultants that come in to provide some of that training, all the way from the top down. My board is having training. My leadership team's having training. I'm involved in the training and my staff have the training. So we're all getting trained around the same time and a lot of the similar subjects as well. So I just think that that's how you invest and, and you help the staff grow. And hopefully they want to grow within your agency and use those skills here. But even if they choose to move on, you support them. And then, you know, you're sending off into the human service world, a highly trained professional that's just going to keep doing more good. I love that so. because some people see the other side of it and why would I pay in their development? Because then they're going to want to leave or they can leave. Right. And it's, if you train them good yeah. enough, right. But then you treat them better. They're probably treat not better. Going to for greener pasture. So I, I, I love that, Jeff. Thanks so much for that. Ty. Man, I just wanted you to know, Jeff, that I truly have loved every minute of this, man. I, I feel I like my, my, my day is just downhill now. Let's go for a run together. We'll go downhill. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. put on your new balances, Tyler, and get on the five-mile run with him. Yeah, I was looking up these things called hokas over here. They, they say those are for old people, man. I'm like, you know, and, and then so five to ten miles. How, how long does that take you to run five, ten miles, Jeff? I need to, how, how much time do you carve out for that? You know, about an hour and a half, you know, I'm running, I'm, I'm doing pretty good for a big guy, you know, I'm, I'm not doing too bad. I'm running at, at like, a, like anywhere between an eight, nine minute pace of a mile. So, uh, but it took me a while, a year ago, it wasn't that good, but uh, I, I've been on this journey for about a year. So uh, I just put in the work and when it, when it hurts, you just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, man, I'm, I'm doing a mile right now at, at about 255, 260, and that's a lot. And especially down in that Texas heat, man, I was like, I'm going to really rip this summer up. It's a uh, heat index of 117. Yeah, you got to get, get up when Jeff is getting up at like 3.30 in the morning. Maybe it's more tolerable. That's the insanity part, right? I'm not, it's just crickets in my neighborhood. It's just me. You know, we're just chugging through. Well, but usually I'll be, uh, Tyler, I'll be honest with you. I've had the cops called on me multiple times. I was going to say, back. yeah, you see a big so, guy like Jeff running around at five. It's and so like early in the morning, in the morning. With, my, with the dark hoodie on and all of a sudden <laughs> the cops come around and, and they'll, they'll surround me and they'll be like, oh, it's Jeff. And because yeah. uh, they know me. Cause <laughs> yeah. Is he, is he tall? Is he handsome? And is he bald? Yeah, it's Jeff. Yeah, he's out yeah, Does he have a couple dimples? Yeah. It's Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and does he, does he talk like Rocky? It's Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> but he only lived in Long Island for nine years. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Awesome, guys. Well, I got to jump. It was, yeah. a, it was more than a pleasure, Jeff, to meet you, man. Yeah, same this here, was, Tyler. Thank you. special, I Jeff. It. I just want to, again, in closing, and just say thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and being one of those special leaders within our community because you realizing that privilege and having that impact on the individual lives of your employees they're taking those same development skills that you're training them on and taking those home with them and developing others. So your, your impact is probably far greater than what you realize, but just want to say thank you so much for saying yes. Thanks for being a part of the show. And thank you for being one of the greatest leaders in Rochester that we have today. Well, thank you for that. And thank you both for everything you do and bring it to light and, uh, and getting the voices out there, but you guys are doing a great job. <laughs> <laughs>